Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. All right, Ryan. So it is Wednesday night. We are live. This is the live show. This is this is a big show today. We opened it up to the masses and we asked we asked them, who do you want to see on Wednesday night? We've had Chad Michael Murray, Jason Tardick, Lorenzo Alexander. We've had some amazing guests as we launch the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast, which is live coming to you on this Wednesday night. But we got a couple, we got a fun fun lineup here tonight i i've been dying to have jordan reen for the draft network on uh we missed him during draft season as everybody was kind of you know busy and you know we hadn't really launched this thing until almost right before the draft or right after the draft and uh and greg thompson our man from cover one so we we have a nice lineup today we got a spicy little uh mystery guest at 8 20 how are you doing my friend Hey, I'm doing great. No complaints here whatsoever. Another great show tonight. Like you said, we've had some great guests and we continue to have some great guests here on the show. If you are new to the program, this is the Buffalo Bills Shout Football Podcast. It is a podcast, multi-episodes per week, especially in season, dedicated to your Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Matt Perino. Uh, he is my co-host, Ryan Talbot. We cover the bills for New York Upstate and Syracuse.com. We are so appreciative for your viewership, and we're going to get into it tonight. Before we welcome in uh, Greg to the show, I wanted to start off with you know where we're at. You know, sitting here, the Bills sitting here two and zero. We opened up the week today uh, out in Orchard Park, and lo and behold, Ryan, there was a laundry list uh, of injuries uh, on the initial injury report. We obviously knew that Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano were still probably going to appear on there. They did. They were limited today in practice. Uh, They were both out on the practice field. Tremaine Edmonds, who I think a lot of people thought probably had a better chance this week than Matt Milano. He, (laughs) my wife just popped in. Sometimes like when it's dark all around the room, if something comes at me from the side, it really scares the, you know, what out of me. So (laughs) we're almost at Halloween. So that makes sense. Uh, Matt Milano was not in a red Jersey today. 
Tremaine Edmonds was. So very good sign, you know, for both of them, but more so maybe for, for Matt Milano, who maybe could be trending towards playing this week. And we'll get to this later. They're going to need him. But a couple couple names out there, Cole Beasley, Zach Moss, and Ed Oliver, all kind of eye poppers when they weren't participating in practice day. We'll see more tomorrow, uh, but you have a little news on, on Zach Moss. Yeah, I, I talked to someone very close to Zach Moss, and they said he's just recovering. It's nothing to worry about, and he'll be ready to go on Sunday. So, uh, you, you know, some breaking news here from Shout. It sounds promising for, for Zach Moss. Again, someone very close to him said, good to go Sunday, just recovering. So, you know, wait and see on that. But it sounds like of those uh, big names, the eye poppers that you just said, it sounds like he he's going to be okay with, with all things considered. So I want to ask you your biggest concern, and I have mine, and it may be the same as yours, but from what we you know witnessed today, what was reported, what's your biggest concern here on Wednesday of you know, probably the biggest test so far for the Bills at Los Angeles Rams this Sunday. Well, in terms of the injury list, I'm going to go with the name you didn't mention. I'm going to go with Taron Johnson. Taron Johnson being on that with, with uh, I believe, a groin injury uh, did not pra uh, practice at all. They're already down Josh Norman, obviously. Norman, uh, some encouraging news there, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we saw Levi Wallace get picked on a lot last week. We have Taron Johnson, who could be seeing some significant playing time if he was healthy this week against a, a pretty good passing offense for the Rams. So, you know, it, it'd be great to have Ed Oliver if he's able to go, but the defensive line has a lot of talent and depth. Cole Beasley obviously plays a big factor on the inside, but I like what we've obviously seen from the Buffalo's top two and also a little bit in, in flashes from Gabriel Davis, uh, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, et cetera. So, you know, I just kind of go back and look at this uh, passing defense. And if you're losing Taron Johnson and you have Levi Wallace, who might get picked on again this week, uh, who knows about the linebackers? Promising news, but nothing guaranteed there. I, I guess that was the one thing that uh, worried me going into uh, the middle of the week here. What about you? That was it. And uh, I didn't mention him, obviously, in the lead up. Uh, but yeah, Taron Johnson, that's it. That would be a huge loss against the Rams, who like to do a lot of their work in that slot area. We saw where they struggled. Cooper Cup, obviously. But, you know, Tyler Higby is a guy that, you know, you're going to rely on a linebacker primarily to cover him. But you, you do want to be secure at all levels of your defense, especially uh, uh, in that secondary. And I think the Taron Johnson going without him. We could get ourselves our first look at Cam Lewis, who uh, we did see him out on the practice field. I tweeted out a picture, and he was working in one of the drills. Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, Tredavious White, I believe Levi Wallace was out there. And then it was Cam Lewis because, obviously, Taron Johnson was off to the side working. And, and so I think, to your point, I think that, that is a, a a potential huge loss for the Bills. Um, we got a we got a Josh Norman update today. I know we, every time we do one of these live shows, there's usually a Josh Norman question off to the side. And... Uh, I asked Sean McDermott today, and he obviously didn't want to talk about it because he's worried about the Rams. He's worried about the players that are going to potentially be available. We know that Josh Norman can't return until at the earliest week four off of the IR. But I asked him is, you know, I was surprised at how complimentary and confident Sean McDermott seemed in a Josh Norman that really struggled in Washington last year and, you know, maybe a little less two years ago, but for all intents and purposes, he hasn't been the same player in the last four years that he was in Carolina. So I think going into this, my expectation was this was going to be a real competition between Levi Wallace and Josh Norman. But with Levi Wallace's struggles, uh, I got to thinking, man, how much are they kind of sitting back and waiting and hoping that they're going to get a Josh Norman back that can make an impact immediately? Uh, I believe it was nine completions that Levi Wallace gave up 
uh, on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. Tough matchups, big wide receivers. He was on Mike Kosicki a ton. Uh, I think it was 119 yards. And the, the, Ryan Fitzpatrick, his highest passer rating against any individual defender came against Levi Wallace when he was targeting him. So I basically said, hey, Sean, you know, when, when, jo when Josh Norman gets back, I mean, are you expecting him to make an impact? And he didn't say a lot. But the confidence still kind of came through when he talked about Josh Norman and, you know, the potential that he can add to this defense. Yeah, and that's just it. He knows the system. He knows the scheme. Uh, he's a guy that Sean McDermott trusts. And if McDermott trusts you, that goes a long way in, in this defense. So uh, I think that when he does come back, he's going to have a really good shot to come in and, and take over that job, that starting spot. Uh, he was uh, the top cornerback opposite white on that first unofficial depth chart. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that would have been the case in week one had he been healthy. But uh, I think we saw a little bit from Wallace that showed that maybe he does need to kind of uh, have that competition, maybe let someone get in front of him for a little bit and, and see what happens there. I will say this about Wallace. I went back and I rewatched the game. Uh, there were some throws that I don't know if any cornerback would have been able to break up. Uh, there was one that uh, Fitzpatrick just was putting them into these tight windows in these good spots where, where Wallace couldn't get to them, where I don't think any cornerback could get to them. There was one where he was on top of, uh, I want to say it was Gasecki's back on one of the plays, and the, the tight end, the very talented tight end, hauled it in. So there were some out of those, I think you said nine catches there, uh, that I'm not sure anyone would have done anything better than what he did. But obviously, th there's a lot of uh, room for improvement, too. Yeah, and I think to your point, it's a good one. And I think that you know one thing I really – have taken away from the last three days in, 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 you know, after the game when we got a chance to talk to some guys. And then today, you know, Jordan Poyer, I asked him about Levi's performance and anything that, you know, a captain would say to a younger player. And he said, we have all the confidence in the world in Levi. I've had days where I haven't had my best stuff. He said, and you know, sometimes you, 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 you don't make plays. You come back the next game. Better. Uh, Leslie Frazier, I think, you know, he, that's where, I, I got my, my wheel started turning when it came to Josh Norman, because he basically said, listen, when you're going to rarely target Tredavious white, if you're an opposing team's quarterback, because we all know how good he is. So the guy who is opposite Trey white is going to get the work. You have to know that going into a game and you have to prepare mentally for that. The only way to get them off of you is to find a way to make some plays. And so I think Levi Wallace moving forward has to accept the challenge when he's in there and he's going to be in there again this week, especially if they're down Taron Johnson. Uh, we'll see how that go. That plays out this week, but groin injuries are always kind of scary, but I thought that that was interesting. And, you know, I thought Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, McDermott have talked very highly of Josh Norman and the play that he got injured at on back in training camp was an interception. He made a big play and that's something that, you know, Jordan Poyer and other guys have talked about wanting to do more, turn the ball over. Uh, so we'll see. I'm, I'm very interested to see week four Vegas. Um, what they do with Josh Norman, but we got, we got a, we got our first guest to get here. Uh, we got to bring him in. It's seven 39. I don't want to leave him waiting. He has been patiently waiting in the waiting room here. He said he logged on just to, just to listen at the start. My man, Greg Thompson cover one. How are you? My friend, not too bad. Uh, not only am I a guest, I'm also a client. No, I, I love listening to you guys do a fantastic job. I wanted to come in and uh, hear what I was walking myself into. Well, you, well, we appreciate you. And, we, you know, we appreciate you you taking the time to join us on a big night for you. Big show coming around the horn here at 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. 
9 a.m. That'd be kind of weird tomorrow morning. <laughs> um, but I want to give a quick shout out. Greg Thompson, Aaron Quinn, Cover One. Uh, they do a great job on their podcast. You know, man, this is such a talented group. I talked my buddy over at uh, Buffalo Rumblings, uh, Bruce Exclusive, Bruce Nolan. Talked to him all the time, man. Like, I just love all of the interactions and all of the just talent on on this on this beat in this market uh in this community and you're a big piece of it and you were one of the you were the person that uh, everybody wanted to see today so my man <laughs> welcome to the show we're we're, we're, we're thrilled to have you I, I, bill's mafia is really lucky and i think you know it goes hand in hand you see all these you know whatever it's the fox sports poll or voting and anything like those Bill's Mafia has a rabid, voracious appetite for what we put out there. And if you put out quality content, they're going to just gobble it up. So I think that that builds, you know, it, it's not competitive in an unhealthy way, but in a fun way. It, it drives everybody to put their best stuff out there and, you know, having relationships with you guys and with Bruce and with Joe Marino and all the different people that put out content here. It's it's fun because I think people listen to other people's shows, take ideas, put their spin on it, and everybody gobbles it up. And if you do a good job, Bill's Mafia will support you. For sure. Uh, we were going to get into the nuts and bolts of this thing. I've been saying that the last couple episodes. Somebody made fun of Ryan for <laughs> something that he says. I'm waiting for somebody Without to make fun of me. Without a doubt. He says that a lot. <laughs> I say 100% a lot. So we're just trying to check ourselves and nobody, nobody better to come in here and check us than uh, Mr. Thompson here, Ready. the king of Patty. Uh, uh, we appreciate your uh, your diligence in that in that area of things. Always. So Josh Allen. You got to stay on it. Josh Allen, this is going to be a big Josh Allen episode today, obviously. I mean, you got the reigning now offensive player of the week in the AFC or AFC. I think we got to spend some time talking about him. And you shared uh, a tweet thread um, from today. And, and Bucky Brooks, who, you know, I think has been a little bit harsh on Josh Agreed. at times. Uh, he's actually, if you, I do listen to Move the Sticks, I'm a big Daniel Jeremiah guy. And I think Agreed. at times um, Bucky Brooks has kind of you know towed the line of being kind of you know, getting on board with the Josh Allen uh hype train uh but this offseason I feel like he's been a, a little bit critical in the terms of in sense of he I don't know if he thinks that Josh Allen can become what some other people think that he can become and what we saw not only last week but so far this season is a guy that's come in here and shown you that at the very least he's taken a step forward so talk a little bit about that thread and, and that'll kind of get us into uh you know discussing Josh Allen's performance from last week. Yeah, it's something that I think Eric and Aaron and I have really drilled in on over all three years with Josh is that his risk is real. The reason that everybody, you know, panned him as a prospect was because he doesn't fit any of the norms of what you would normally see in progression. And I kept harping on the fact that, yes, that risk is real. The challenge and the frustration that many Bills fans ran into was many people saw what was honestly the highest probability of being a bust as he can only be a bust and what people didn't realize is that the the flip side of that coin is there was also a greater capacity for improvement so i went through there and, and bucky was listing out and i thought he kind of generalized uh the improvements and the things we've seen in younger quarterbacks being good earlier and he was listing off all the different reasons and i actually you know pick, picked it apart a little bit Josh Allen was not a highly recruited guy in high school. It also means he wasn't running a crazy air raid high school offense. He wasn't in the summer seven-on-seven seven leagues. He didn't get invited to Trent Dofer's Elite 11 camp. He didn't get the high-end fancy quarterback training. 
Then he had to walk on, ended up going to Juco, ended up begging his way for a scholarship. Again, was running a little bit, you know, lower end uh, program, was running the ball a ton, didn't have great teammates around him. There were prospects and scouts that we talked to that said they thought he was 10,000 reps behind Baker Mayfield. And I was like, oh, that's fine. You know, I'm a huge fan of Malcolm Gladwell too, 10,000 hours. And I'm like, no, 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 we're dead serious. We think he's thrown a football 10,000 fewer times than Baker Mayfield. And it just shows you that that on one side is a reason for risk. That's a reason he could have been a bust. What people didn't open their mind to was everybody always talks about, oh, by year two, you know who your quarterback is. Well, if Josh was that far behind, it meant in year three, and honestly, even into year four, there could be more capacity for improvement that he could take advantage of. That only happens if you are really diligent, great work ethic, humble enough to take coaching. He checks all those boxes. So what we're seeing here this year was never a sure thing. It was always a risk, but it was always in the range of possible outcomes. You know, and you mentioned Josh Allen kind of being behind Baker Mayfield. Well, one team he's never kind of been behind is when he goes against the Dolphins. This is the third time he's been offensive player of the week coming off of a game against the Dolphins. He's won Charles Clay touchdown, uh, drop touchdown, I should say, from being undefeated against this team. And I have a buddy that's a Dolphins fan. And after that game, he goes, you know, Allen, just right now, he's that quarterback that torments us. And I said, what if he ends up being the quarterback that torments you the way that Brady tormented the Bills for all those years? So, you know, is there something about the Dolphins that he he's had such success against them over these past three uh, few seasons? Or is it just the fact that maybe uh, it's just a culmination of his development? So I always say the... People talk about a rivalry in the AFCs with the Patriots, and we're a rival with the Patriots like a nail is a rival with a hammer. Um, <laughs> for me, the Dolphins are the AFC East rival. Like I grew up with Marino and Kelly. That is the AFC East to me. I love to see that coming back. I'd love to think that there's some magic recipe that just makes him better against the Dolphins. It's probably because the Dolphins' defense hasn't been that good the last couple of years and that a lot of people look pretty good against them. Um, but he certainly ups his game, and even more so than other talented quarterbacks. He did better than Cam Newton did against them. He's done better than other other players have done against them. And, you know, I, I wish I knew exactly what that was, uh, but it's pretty special. And to have him have NFL player of the week, three out of five games and almost be undefeated against them is, I mean, unprecedented to have player of the week, 60% of the times against the team. Um, but uh, I'll take it while I can get it. All right. I want to play a clip here from Josh. He spoke to the media today. Uh, it kind of goes a little bit hand in hand with, you know, what you were just talking about, Greg. I hate to say it, but there's a history between you and Jalen and uh, it's been revisited a few times, including you signing um, this Jersey. Um, I don't want to eat well, to use the word trash and what do you make of that and you get to see him again uh, I mean that, that was so, so long ago in my opinion and um, that's really a non-factor you know he's he's been a great player in this league for a long time he's only gotten better and uh, like I said he's, he's a problem that we're gonna have to deal with and um, you know we're, we're focusing on one job and that's to try to put our best foot forward and, and try to get a win on Sunday here in Buffalo and um, that's really all we're looking forward to even for all the slights, you know, I mean, that, that, that stinks from anybody coming from a peer and, uh, you know, a, a player in this league. I mean, that doesn't that hurt? No, not at all. You know, I, I care about, you know, the, the opinions of the guys in the locker room and trying to be the best player, best person, best leader I can, I can be for the Buffalo Bills. 
So if you don't know what he was referring to, I should have kind of set that up a little bit better, but this is our first time we're diving into this part of the technology of this thing. So apologies, but he's talking about Jalen Ramsey and a couple of years ago, Jalen Ramsey called him, you know, trash in a magazine article. He doubled down on it. Then I, after the game or at the end of the game, he was calling everybody in the sidelines trash. He's a pretty vocal guy. And so that was the question he was asked. And what I took away from that answer though, is what I think has really helped him develop in that he has this ability to tune out the noise. And, you know, it's amazing to me because you think about coming up through like in school, you know, playing high school sports or, or even, you know, middle school sports. And I remember going out for the basketball team as a freshman, I made the freshman team and, you know, it it got, it got pretty clear pretty quickly that that was going to be the end of my basketball career. And, you know, it, not for anything else. I, I wasn't talented enough to play at that, even the JV level at the high school that I was at. But, you know, you start to hear things about, you know, whether it be in practice or whether it be playing with friends and, you know, you, it, it kind of shirks your confidence a little bit, shakes it up a little bit. And for the amount of slander that has been thrown this kid's way, I mean, he's a 23-year-old person now, came in the league at 21 years old. It's amazing to me that he's been able to develop the way that he has, but I think that's the key to it. It doesn't matter if you call him trash. It doesn't matter if you're all these different sites that think, or, or, or personalities that think that he's going to fit him into a specific box and that's who he's going to be his whole career. He's not interested in it. He's interested about the people in that building, the people that they've surrounded him with. And I think that's pretty impressive. And I think that's a big reason why he has gotten to this point so far. Absolutely. And it's funny that, you know, first I'll, I'll take a, a minute to acknowledge the fact Jalen Ramsey is an awesome cornerback. On the second side, how great is it that our cornerback is just a good person and way way more fun to root for, that Trey White is just so much more fun to root for than Jalen Ramsey is? Um, And I see some guys in the comments here, and Richard was – a couple guys were saying how – you know, Josh doesn't listen to the noise. I actually disagree completely. I think Josh listens to all of it. He's just really good at not acknowledging it when, when he's in interviews. 100%. Um, I think he takes it all in and knows all the crap that people talk, but he's very, very well-trained and good about not letting that come out in interviews and never giving them the the satisfaction of him taking the bait. Um, but it's, you know, I, I think that he knows – He's never going to be able to say anything that's going to change that. He can only do it on the field. He's done that in these first two games, but as I know you guys are going to get into later today, um, this is going to be a different game than the first two games the Bills have played, and this is going to be a fantastic opportunity, specifically if he can get, you know, Stephon Diggs has put every cornerback and in, in every single talent in the in the league through the ringer at times if he can shake him in a couple and josh lays one in there perfectly you know that's the ultimate revenge well the bills defensive line they, they added a lot of players in the offseason what are your early impressions on what you've seen so far from this new look defensive line I've liked it a lot. I've been really pleased with the level of rotation uh, that they've gone through, keeping everybody fresh. You can tell, you know, Mario Addison is a beast in collapsing the pocket. Ed Oliver's played really well, even though it hasn't shown up necessarily in the stat box. Um, Quentin Jefferson is such a valuable contributor to what they're doing. I love the way that they're going through there. Um, I like it that we haven't had to push Harrison Phillips back into a role that we haven't needed AJ Epinesa to play a prominent role. It's it's rare that you can have your top draft pick be a luxury and just kind of a, a rotational guy. So I think all the people we needed are showing up. I think that Hughes, you know, 
I didn't think he was going to drop off, but it was in the back of my mind. He's getting to that age where you want to see it. He still has that same burst. He still has that same bend. Same thing with Mario Addison. Is that going to translate? Is his power going to maintain? Um, luckily, that's one of the skills you see age a little bit better at the DN group. So having Addison you know, age well has been a positive. Um, I'm excited to see the next game out of Vernon Butler, and I do want to see some of those stats um, start to accumulate Fred Oliver because of the pressures, the quarterback hits, his disruption has been great. I want to see him get home more and be able to do that. And I think that what they've built with nine defensive end, nine defensive linemen, and it's really rare to see nine D linemen all get reps in one game, which is what we saw this past week, um, is exactly what they wanted to build. And in this modern NFL where you can just keep sending waves of guys at him, especially if we see an Epinesa or a Daryl Johnson develop as the year goes, this could be really fun. I think it's interesting that one of the things we've talked about a, a bunch on the pod, I'm sure you've talked about it on yours, is that these really, you know, although it's everything's dialed up, the intensity, these are real regular season games, it's kind of like preseason, you know, shaking the rust off. Like, I, yeah. I don't think we've necessarily seen what this defensive line can do because of all those new pieces that you just mentioned, you know, they're still kind of getting used to playing with each other. I feel like lights are probably, I'm, ex I'm excited tomorrow. I think we'll probably talk to Jerry or Mario and I'd like to get their um, reaction to now two games in, as opposed to just a bunch of training camp practices and a couple of scrimmages, what it's been like. But I think that as we, it's almost nice that you had these two games as I don't want to call them warm-ups because I do think Miami's better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. But yes. I do think it's kind of nice that you had these two games to get warmed up because I think you're going to need that pass rush to be even better, especially with the potential of some of these guys that could be out. We mentioned Taron Johnson. We mentioned Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. If one of them or both of them aren't able to come back this week, you're going to really need your, your defensive lineman to frustrate Jared Goff this week, Derek Carr in two weeks, Patrick Mahomes in a month. I mean – it doesn't get easier here as you go along. Yeah, I mean, the ability to get to the quarterback quickly is what matters. You saw we had that stretch where we weren't getting home on some of the blitzes that were coming or getting pressure in Fitz's face, and he was getting the ball out really quickly. That's going to happen again this week. Goff, you know, Sean McVay's entire mantra is tell Goff where to go with the ball as quickly as possible and get it out of his hand. Derek Carr is the exact same way. You know, Mahomes is special in his own right, but that's the kind of quarterback we're going to go after here. So that's why I think you've seen so much attention on the, the power pass rushers. And I think you're going to see more of that, whether you saw the huge investments in the Chris Joneses and DeForest Buckners, guys who can collapse the pocket, get in the quarterback's face quickly are actually, in my mind, might become more valuable than the guys who can bend the edge and get around the corner that you can get the ball out quick enough to avoid a Von Miller. You can't do that with Ed Oliver if he's in your face in one and a half seconds. Um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about this defensive line and transition to the linebackers because this week, you know, I, you want at least one of them back if, if you can get them. You know, listen, I, I do agree. I thought that given the circumstances, I thought A.J. Klein and, and Tyrell Dotson did, did a fine job. But fine's not going to cut it as you're going up against better D or offenses. And one of the things where I felt like they struggled with was sometimes the defensive line, you know, got upfield and, and, and generated some pressure. The Dolphins ran the ball and you saw some 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 big gains on some of those runs. And I think that if you bring, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano back into the mix, we could start to see, you know, uh, you know, just a better overall, you know, units production if you will that front seven i want to ask you though who do you think they 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 need more need back more for this game milano or Edmonds? 
So it's funny. I think a lot of people see the game that Gesicki had and see the crossers going to, uh, along there and their mind goes to Matt Milano. And I, I think that that's logical. I think that he is better individually in coverage. I think the piece that people don't realize is Tremaine Edmonds is such a freak of nature that his seven foot wingspan and his ability to move so quickly in the center of the field takes up so much just visual space in the quarterback's face when he's looking at where he can go with the ball. He closes off, you know, half of the distance between the hash marks just by standing there like this and can move so quickly to it that I almost think that is a bigger buoy that I, I kind of think I have enough confidence that Dodson can be 60% of Milano if you put Edmonds next to him. He's never going to be what Milano is. I, we need both back for the run that I think we can go on. But if if I had to choose one, I, I actually, even though it might not be as logical, I'd actually take Tremaine back because I think he takes up more space in the middle of that zone. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, he, he's also really good at when he when he kind of comes after getting his arms up and batting passes too. And that's what maybe they need on Sunday, a tip pass that goes in the air that can be intercepted because like you said, the guys on the D line might not be able to get home because golf gets it out fast, but if yeah. the ball gets batted, anything can happen. And, and that's fair game. And this game might come down to who turns the ball over less when, when all is said and done with this uh, final score. Agreed. I, I'm really excited to see it. This is going to be the real test. Like I said, it's not preseason. They weren't warm-up games, but it wasn't a bad thing that we did get two of the lesser uh, talents on our roster and the schedule uh, in the first two games. This is not going to be the case. You're talking about a team with a really talented offense, two of the most talented players in the entire NFL on their defense. It's The real key is, can you take advantage of the other nine? Can you focus on Donald and Ramsey? Can you find a way to pick apart the other nine? and really be able to drive that home, and uh, we're about to find out. Mr. Greg Tomset, cover one. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Greg Tomset. I'm guessing that's the handle because it's written right below your, your face <laughs> there. But why don't you let everybody know where they can find you, and uh, in, in an hour here, they should uh, tune in. Yeah, please. Uh, for everybody who's enjoying this show, come on over. We're going to have uh, Jordan Rodrigue on the show tonight who uh, was covering the Panthers. has been on the show before. She's moved out to L.A. and is covering the Rams for The Athletic now. Uh, Aaron and I will be talking to her tonight, previewing that. You can come over to CoverOne.net, the CoverOne app. Find us on all your social media platforms, having fun, talking to Bill's Mafia, and uh, uh, enjoying your guys' work as well. Awesome, man. And definitely get over there, Jordan. Uh, that's uh, That's my girl, man. She does a great awesome. job over there. Um, unfortunately we couldn't sit, we couldn't get her lined up this week cause she was busy on, on Friday. Uh, but she does a great job. So enjoy the show. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Appreciate it guys. All right, there we go. First segment in the book next up, we're bringing him right in. He's in the waiting room. He's ready to go. We're not waiting until eight o'clock or a minute early. Jordan Reed, my friend from the draft network. How are you? Good. Thank you guys for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for carving out some some time. We uh, we opened it up to the to the fans of the Shout Football Podcast, and you were requested uh, specifically. So obviously, a lot of respect for your work. We have so much uh, to dive in here uh, tonight. But before we get to anything, what what's your what's your regular season like? Obviously, being at the Draft Network, it's a lot of I would imagine scouting and getting 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 things ready uh, for draft season. But take us through week to week. What, what's it like for you? 
Yeah, so we did something a little different this year. Last year, we kind of just went about our own ways as far as trying to get as many prospects in individually as possible. But this year, we're really running it like a scouting department. So I'm responsible for the SEC, the Big 12, um, some FCS schools, and also some Division II and Division III schools. So I think it was a, it was a really good decision for us just because uh, we want to run it as, as quickly as possible as far as, you know, just exactly like an NFL scouting department just because I think we can get things done more efficiently that way just because we ran into a situation last year where there were some loopholes as far as we didn't get to some guys. So we want to make sure we get to every single prospect in the country as many as we can. So that's something that we're working on doing this year, and I think we've been much more efficient uh, with doing that. And then we actually have scouting meetings this year. So we're running it exactly like an NFL a scouting department, and that's something that we've been trying to do this year. That's super exciting. It sounds like uh, it almost kind of brings you into, uh, you know, the scouting world. And, and what's cool, cool thing for my job is I get a chance to, you know, kind of meet a lot of scouts and especially the college scouts that I feel like, you know, it, from February to April, uh, that combine month, and then all the way up into the draft. It's, it's such a cool time. What's it like for you? Like once we transition to the off season for most of us, I mean, that's, that's game time for you. Yeah, I mean, it's like Christmas for me, man. Like you talk about the draft all year, but once the combine senior bowl and all these bowl games and then eventually the draft get here, that three to four month process. I mean, you're like a kid in the candy store and you can see my face blowing up right now. We're not even halfway there. But I think the great thing about it is that through about the first four or five weeks of the season, I think a lot of teams or a lot of fans get the picture of, hey, my team's probably not going to be very good this year. So they start <laughs> looking towards the draft. So it's funny seeing like fans slowly gravitate towards that but luckily for you guys you're already two and oh so you're not even thinking about the draft at all <laughs> well you know scouting draft all that stuff from your thirty thousand foot point of view you've seemed to really like what sean mcdermott and brendan bean have done here in buffalo what is it that you like that they've done so far and what's worked best and is it sustainable well i think for me and what made me a huge fan of the regime is that they came from the upbringing of the Carolina Panthers. And what you notice is that their roster is very similar to what they really envisioned. And what I mean by that is, so when you think about the Carolina Panthers, the first two players that you think of when they were there were Cam Newton and also Luke Keekley. And who were the two big time uh, first round picks that the Buffalo Bills made that really is the face of their franchise right now. That's Josh Allen, who had a lot of similar comparisons to Cam Newton coming out. And then you have your very young centerpiece at middle linebacker and Tremaine Edmonds. So I think that's something that has been really unique about that. And I just love how they're just in unison with each other as far as personnel moves, a free agency, and then sharing up uh, the positions that what I like to call premium positions. So they they attack the offensive line. We You guys know they threw plenty of resources at that. And I just loved how they've set up Josh Allen to succeed. Everybody knows what his flaws are. Uh, we could go on and on about that, but I think he's done a really good job of improving on that this year. But I think what Josh owes a lot of credit to is Brandon Bean getting those guys surrounding him. So uh, what I mean by that is we know the situation that the New York Jets are in right now. We've seen it uh, with plenty of other young quarterbacks throughout the league of them just not having a proper or adequate surrounding cast around him. But I think that's something that Brandon Bean has done a tremendous job with. How sustainable is this? I mean, I know probably a big part of it is Josh Allen and how he continues to develop and pan out. But in terms of the entire um, build here, we're now at kind of, you know, the end point in the fact that the structure's been built. And now it's about how long can you make what you've built 
work for you. And so when you look at all the parts of this roster on both sides of the ball, what they've done in free agency to kind of supplement what they've done in the draft, do you, do you envision this as a, as a, a team and a roster that's going to continue to ascend over the next couple of years, or is there still more work to do in the next few? I think it's a little bit of a combination of both just because you see some, of course, every team has their weaknesses. I think cornerback, uh, the second cornerback on the roster, I think that's a clear hole uh, right now. But as far as the overall construction of everything, I think this is something that is very sustainable just because I mean, in the, in the division that they're in, I think it's pretty much up for grabs right now, especially, you know, with the Patriots on the downswing now that everybody's thinking they're on the downswing. Anyway, I think with Tom Brady really exiting uh, that division, I think now, you're talking about something that is wide open. And now with the Bills really hitting their stride at this point right now, along with Josh Allen, who's a young and ascending quarterback. I love what I've seen from him so far. And we know just everything that went about with him in the pre-draft process. I'm sure there was a lot of mixed opinions when you guys selected him a few years ago, but I thought he's done a really good job, especially the first two games. I think he's been phenomenal as far as showing his growth. Then you bring in a superstar wide receiver and Stephon Diggs. And just the way this roster is constructed, I think they're in a really good cap situation. And I think as far as this team, as far as their identity being a, a very strong defense, as long as Sean McDermott is going to be here, I think they're going to have a strong defense. They're always going to be in the top 10 of the league. But the thing that I think that does worry me a little bit is Brian Dable. I think he's a very key piece. And we know whenever your offense has success and you don't have an offensive-minded coach or head coach, I'm speaking of, the offensive coordinator is always going to get some attention. So I think they have to do a really good job of identifying somebody that uh, whether it's in house or even out out of out of the um, out of the coaching staff, unless Brian Dable gets a head coaching job somewhere, which if the Bills stay on this pace, which is a I think is going to be a very highly a possibility, they have to find out who that next predecessor can be for Brian Dable, just because I think he's a very very key piece in what's happening right now. You know, I thought I thought when they brought him in and the job he did in the first two years with what he had to work with, I, I I noticed the talent right away. And so last year when he was getting some head coaching buzz, I think he interviewed for one job. And we asked Sean about it and he didn't want to talk too much about it because I think he was worrying about the same thing. I, I think you bring up a great point, like in-house. I mean, that's something that we're going to have to really talk about, you know, once that time comes. Because if you look at, you know, Ken Dorsey, I'm not so sure, you know, as good as he's been for Josh Allen you look at him as a potential offensive coordinator and a play caller with no previous experience. That's one of the things that's been so key for Brian Dable is, you know, one of the things that really interested Brandon Bean when they, when he was interviewing him, he said he got to a couple spots in Miami, uh, Cleveland, where things didn't go very well as an offensive coordinator. He went back to the drawing board, went back to new England. He was just in his, like a, an offensive assistant. He studied the offensive line with Dante Scarnecchia, became a student of the game, then went to the college level, had success as a play caller there at Alabama, then came to, you know, obviously Buffalo. We know where things are trending right now, but I think that's a great point. That's something we're definitely going to get into uh, over the course of the, the next couple months if this team continues to play the way it does. Stefan Diggs, when they made that deal, I was absolutely floored with the amount of national attention that came and basically said that the Bills gave up too much. You know, I basically said I would have given up even more because of what I thought he can mean to this offense. And through two games, I think we've seen kind of the preview of what he means, not only for what he does, but what it means for everybody else. And I mean, I said it like I love this fit as far as I think Stefan needed to go somewhere where he could be a bona fide wide receiver one. And I mm -hmm. think they had a bunch of guys that were very similar. And what I mean by that is uh, you had a bunch of smaller type guys that didn't have that true uh, wide receiver one or separate a guy that can separate at the top of every single route that you're talking about. So, and I think Stefan has done a really good job. And 
I think this goes back to their draft strategy and how exactly they want to surround Josh. So what you notice, every receiver that they have around Josh is that they're natural separators. And I love that, uh, what Brandon Bean did, just because you guys both know accuracy wasn't one of Josh's strong points coming out of Wyoming. So Brandon Bean knew that he needed to get guys that can naturally separate uh, in their routes and they needed to create some bigger windows. And that's what you see naturally with Stefan. But I think the, the thing that has been so surprising to me is just how quickly they have developed chemistry and kudos to Josh just because I think the biggest adjustment that he has made this year is changing his ball speeds. And what I mean by ball speeds is that everything was a fastball when he was coming into the league. He just wanted to throw everything through a brick wall. But now with Stefan Diggs, he's been able to create that separation and he's just been able to create these open windows of where he can just lock the ball and just put it directly in the bread basket. So uh, I think that's a big thing that's happening in Buffalo right now. And I love the chemistry that those two have showed early on. Yeah. Let me play a quick, quick, quick clip, Ryan, uh, because Stefan Diggs had something interesting to say to it, and I want uh, all of us to react to it. One we second. heard from Brian Dable on Monday, and he brought up a moment in the game when John Brown went on the headset and basically told Josh to feed 14 because it was kind of like your time when you were taking over, and then how you went back and said, no, we got to get Cole involved. we got to get John involved. For you guys, it seems like the chemistry is already there. How difficult is it, I guess, for an opposing defense to try and stop three receivers who are all producing at kind of this level? Uh, like I say, you know, John Brown's probably one of the more uh, underappreciated, underrated receivers in the league. Um, and it kind of like gives you, I guess, that conversation that you had with Coach Dayball, like kind of like shows you, like it's not fake, it's for real. You know, the guys that's in that room, and in my room at least, we're not selfish guys, you know, especially not me. Uh, you know, it's going to come a time in games where <clears throat> John Brown going to have to eat. You know, Kobe's going to have to eat. Dave Davis going to have to eat. You know, uh, and it's just going to have to be that way. You know, guys going to have to play uh, play at a high level. You know, and they go out each and every day and they display that in practice. So it's no surprise when it happens in games. But uh, it just shows that you know we're all in this thing together. We're all trying to push everybody forward, and you know, having success isn't just part of it. It's just just one guy's thing. You know, we all have success as one. So. Uh, more yeah, so, you know, we've seen that uh, Diggs has been a great addition for, for the Bills, but he's also been a pretty big subtraction through two weeks for the Vikings. Uh, how big has his loss been so far? You know, Buffalo said at the time of the draft, uh, we, we didn't think we'd get one of the top wide receivers if we stayed put where we were, and sure enough, the top three were all gone. Justin Jefferson went to the Vikings with that pick that the Bills had. So it's not fair to say it's a one-for-one swap because that's not what it truly was. But how much has the the loss of Diggs meant for the Vikings so far through two weeks? Oh, it's been monumental just because, I mean, the only player that you have to focus on really on the perimeter right now is Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen, whenever he's played – I'm a big Adam Thielen fan, but whenever he's played uh, without Stephon Diggs, whether that's due to injury or any other variables that did happen, that caused him to miss games. He hasn't been very good. And that's no shot to Thielen or anything like that. But I think that's just the credit to Diggs and just the attention that he brings uh, to defenses and just how well orchestrated his game uh, is overall. So um, it's, I'll say this, guys, like the Vikings are a mess right now. That's the easiest way to put it, honestly. And I think Diggs not being there is a big part of that just because Jefferson, the game just isn't really slow slow down for him right now. He's a rookie, and we know wide receiver is one of the harder positions to transition right away in the league. You're learning a new offense, and then you're expected to come in and be really the second most productive wide receiver, and then you're always going to be pegged as the guy that was picked to replace Stephon Diggs. So there's monumental expectations for Jefferson coming in. 
And then the chemistry between Kirk Cousins and all those guys on the perimeter just isn't there right now. Are you surprised at all about what we heard in that clip? I mean, when, when when this was all happening, even over the course of the last year, when we heard about Stephon Diggs and some of the problems that he was having there, you know, a lot of people threw around the term, you know, diva wide receiver, a guy that's just kind of concerned with his own deal. He's been anything but that. I, I've been pretty amazed at how unselfish he seems. It's all about winning. It's all about his teammates and his guys and helping Josh Allen. I mean, those are maybe those are a lot of words, but the actions are kind of following suit. Yeah, and I think the thing with Stefan is that he's just in a happy situation of where he's the bona fide wide receiver one. And then the Bills have a really good culture as well. And the Vikings have a good culture as well. But I just like the sending parts that the Bills have right now. They have a young quarterback uh, that Stefan has had a really good chemistry with right now. But there's no question he's the bona fide wide receiver one. And they've been force feeding him, which is what you're supposed to do with your wide receiver one. And I think that's all he wanted in Minnesota. And he was battling targets with Adam Thielen just because both of those guys, I think they're top. 15 wide receivers in the league if not even higher but now on the buffalo bills i just don't think there's any fight uh, for targets even though i think what was really surprising that stefan said is that he just has really good chemistry with those guys and if he's cold one day and you know beasley or john brown has to step up and he, he's completely fine with that if they end up force feeding those guys and i think that's a great uh, job as far as him just being galvanized and totally locked in in the culture of what the bills want to do and also when it helps as well with attitudes in the locker room Shout out to my guy, John Scott, over at Spectrum Sports. Uh, he shared a clip, uh, I think it was early in training camp, of you guys back at the Combine. And you talking about Gabriel Davis. And, man, has that kid come in here and been everything that you were talking about on that video and more. Uh, really, like, just insane value to get a guy that can come in here, be ready to contribute right away. I mean, he played so well in training camp that he forced his way into the lineup. I, I still... I, I still will say that I, I, I'm not so sure we see some of these four wide receiver sets if Gabe Davis isn't as ready as he was to play. I mean, this is, I mean, you weren't, you obviously probably weren't surprised at what we're seeing. Now, I will say this I didn't expect him to have this type of success so immediately. <laughs> I thought he definitely was going to be, you know, a wide receiver four, wide receiver five that saw some sparing reps at the bottom of the depth chart, but I didn't expect him to come in and just absolutely tear it up in training camp like that. So, so I don't like patting myself on the back or anything like that. But I had a couple of wide receivers in mind when me and John were talking at the combine and Gabriel just happened to come up. But I think with Gabriel is that you saw it on this film at UCF. He's a natural separator. He's super competitive at the catch point. That's why I thought he was so pro ready. And then he's a fantastic route runner as well. So it's not surprising that he's having so, so much success right away. But I think him coming in and then being so productive for the Buffalo Bills, I think they have four legit wide receivers that Josh Allen can throw two down the field at any point in the game. Yeah, let's stick with that draft class a little bit here. You know, A.J. Epineza, he, he was Buffalo's first pick in this draft, hasn't seen much time out there for less than 20 snaps week two in active week one. Some fans in the fan base are a little bit worried, but obviously with the depth there, he hasn't really been needed yet. So how much could he benefit, I guess, from, from kind of having a redshirt season, still being out there and playing a little bit, but not being forced into lineup, so to speak? I think uh, with AJ, uh, I think it's good for him to have a red shirt year. But my biggest worry with Epinesa was always I didn't know where to play him just because you saw at the combine. He wasn't very explosive, even though he played defensive end when he was at Iowa. And I just didn't think he had enough twitch in order to hold up consistently out there as a 4-3 defensive end. But now you can't slide him inside just because he's not physical enough. He just really doesn't have the mature body enough to slide in inside to play defensive tackle. So my biggest worry with him was just I didn't know where to play him. 
But I think as far as a down the line depth piece, I think he's he can give you something in that facet. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a 10 plus year starter or anything like that. But as far as a depth piece that you can bring in in a defensive end rotation, I think he can be that. Um, he, he has very active hands. That's something that you notice about him. Very powerful hands. I think he's a pretty good pass rusher for the most part as far as having plans uh, with his pass rush moves. But as far as the upside, that's something that really worried uh, me about him and just his positional versatility. I didn't think he had a whole bunch of that. And I think that's why um, he ended up being a second-round pick. And a lot of people thought he was going to be a first-round pick, and then he ended up having a bad combine. And, and then Zach Moss, you know, the Bills really haven't given their backs maybe enough carries through two weeks. And obviously a lot of that is what they've seen in the opposing defenses attacking it through the air, which they've had great success. What what did you like about Zach Moss coming out? What do you think about his fit in Buffalo and, and wh- what he could end up being for this team by even the end of his rookie year? Well, I love the fit. And you talk about a guy that's just a tough, hard nose between the tackles runner. Uh, the biggest thing, the biggest worry that you had with Zach Moss was just the injury situation, uh, him coming off a torn ACL. And then he's a guy that was just accustomed to being banged up during his time in Utah, but he still managed to be very productive. I thought he had a mature body. Uh, he was pro ready right now. Um, he has some challenges as far as being a pass catcher out of the backfield. But uh, as far as being pro ready right now, I think that was the biggest thing for him. And I kind of was surprised that he slipped to the third round. I thought it was going to go maybe possibly a little bit earlier than that just because he had the traits to translate right away. But it's not surprising to see him have so much success right away. But him and Devin Singletary, I love that young, potent backfield, man. I think you guys got one of the best young backfield tandems in the league. And, you know, the price is super low, too, which is always a great benefit to the salary cap. And then one more, uh, Tyler Bass, you know, we know he has a great leg. He, he can kick it out of the end zone on the kickoffs. Uh, a little shaky here early on with the kicks. He, he truly should have been three for four in week one. Uh, was perfect here in week two, but it seems like a lot of his kicks are going toward that right upright for whatever reason. Uh, but what did you see out of Tyler Bass leading up to this draft? Uh, and again, how, how important is it to have a strong leg kicker in a place like Buffalo where you get those swirling winds in November, December? Oh, it's very important, especially when, so like you mentioned, a place like Buffalo that has those swirling winds and you want to make sure you have a big, a strong leg kicker. But Bass is very interesting. I actually I got to chat with him a couple of times leading up to the to the, the draft. I talked to him at the Combine and he has a really fantastic background story. So he was originally going to walk home at Clemson. That really was his only offer coming out of high school. He's a South Carolina kid. Um, then he ended up walking on at Georgia Southern, uh, ended up earning the starting spot there. So it's not surprising to see him. Um, persevere through the training camp battle in Buffalo as well. And I think you guys got a good one. You just got to go through some rough patches with him early on, and just like any other rookie. But, I mean, there's going to be monumental expectations for any type of kicker just because with fans, the only time you care about a kicker when it's a game winner or when you need three points on the board or that extra point. And the spotlight is always going to be on him. But I think you guys got a good one. Um, just watching him inside at the Combine last year in Lucas Oil, I thought he was by far the best kicker there. And Blankenship got a lot of the hype, but I think Bass was much better. As far as, you know, hearing the thump off of the ball and the distance kicks, I thought uh, he, he was perfect. Uh, and then just talking to some scouts inside, uh, some of my scouting buddies, they thought he was the best kicker by far uh, in this draft. Jordan Reed from the Draft Network. Uh, what a segment. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your knowledge. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you, find your work, anything you got coming up? Well, first and foremost, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Bill's Mafia from afar. Uh, <laughs> I was a Josh Allen believer coming out, so – um, I watched some some of his coaches film yesterday and man, he he looks so much better as far as, you know, our manipulation and taking some touch and putting some touch on the ball, ball speeds. It's just it's really cool seeing uh prospects that you like grow up in a sense and get better and get 
uh, more mature as they uh, get further in their career. So I'm really happy to see Josh have a lot of success. But as far as me, you can find me on Twitter at J Reed NFL. That's at uh, J R E I D NFL. You can also find my podcast, the Read Option Podcast, as well on all uh, podcast platforms. So uh, go ahead and check that out. And thank you guys once again for having me. Awesome. Well, they will find it because uh, I think we're gonna have to make this uh, a little bit more of a regular thing. Bring your knowledge in here. If you're gonna be breaking down Josh Allen film, we'll take it. Um, I'm a big Josh fan, so you know, anytime you want to have me on, just let me know. Awesome. Jordan, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your week. You too, guys. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. We're cruising. We're cruising right along here. Two segments. I, I like these segment shows. They kind of keep us uh they kind of keep us uh on schedule, on target. Um, and, and we got a mystery guest for you guys now. We're we're up we're up close to the 250 mark on all the platforms. We're cruising, we're 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 kicking it. And I, I put it out that we were gonna do a uh a full show. And then we're going to have a mystery guest on to talk about one of the biggest topics in Bill's Twitter right now in the last couple of weeks with the success of Josh Allen. And that is Buffalo versus PFF. I'm pretty sure Buffalo fanatics, they, they redid their Buffalo versus everybody t-shirt to make a Buffalo versus PFF. And we have, we have to talk about it. And it's not just PFF. It's all the, 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 the folks out there that are clinging to their narratives. And I'm bringing them in right now. He's our guy. He is the host of pre and post game Buffalo Bills radio. Nate Geary. What is up my man? Me. Yeah, what's up fellas? How are we? Uh, we we we, we drug you off the the golf course here. You got home in time for <laughs> got us. Got home in time. Got it all. What a got guy. Mm-hmm. How'd you shoot? Eh, shot uh well, you know, I shot an 85 and for me that's not very good. So that's a that's a bad day on the course for me. Very nice. Very nice. All right, well we we let me hand this thing over to Ryan here because I'm gonna, I am going to share it out on our social channels to make sure people know that Nate Geary is in the house. Um, Ryan, what's been your your initial thought on not only what we've seen from Josh Allen these first two weeks, but the kind of reaction and the conversation that's happening? Well, in terms of the conversation that's happening, I, I just think that you see people sticking with their narrative no matter what. Uh, and, and I don't know what the reason for that is. Uh, maybe some people just can't admit they were wrong or they can't admit they're seeing growth from a, a certain quarterback, in this case, Josh Allen. Uh, but th- that's definitely the biggest thing there. And in terms of Allen, you know, I think that Jordan just mentioned a lot of it in the last segment. The touch on the, the deep balls has been unbelievable this year. He, he's not rifling the ball in. You saw that a lot in his rookie year. You saw it even a little bit too much last year in year two where he, he trusted his arm a little bit too much, and, and he has the strength to fit in those throws, but a lot of the times rifling that ball would lead to tip passes and, and interception opportunities. So right now he, he's really mixing it up very well. Nate, we got together. I think we wanted to get on this podcast last week because you know I think you know both of us is, have been on the more um, complimentary side uh, of Josh Allen. And that, that's not to say that both of us haven't been very critical at times when he struggled. I, I think that that's the way that you have to go into this. You have to put your narrative aside from whatever that was at any point. You know, it, it goes for all types of different players. It doesn't have to just be quarterbacks. But, you know, I think as this thing has progressed, I think that people have taken what they've seen, a lot of people have, and reacted to it. Some people haven't. And, and so you've been very vocal on social media about it. What would have been your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, Matt, I think we were just being fair. Um, and listen, I mean, we have a different perspective because 
Well, I mean, let, let, let's say we let our pre-draft narratives that we or biases that each of us created. And let's say all three of us really just didn't like Josh Allen, didn't think he was going to be a quarterback that could hack it in the NFL. Um, and everything we did was with that in mind. And we went into our jobs in doing year one and year two and now into year three with that mindset and the inability to move out of it. Um, I mean, why would any, we would hate doing our jobs. Like we would hate talking about the bills. We could find no fun in it. We, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and, and for me, the, the soon as Josh Allen got drafted, it was like clean slate, like from here on out, nothing that I can assess anything, any opinions that I'm going to create, I'm going to do from here out and, and kind of forget about what we saw in college, because he's a player that very clearly just is is still in in the raw category of his career and um i mean right now we're seeing the harmonious connection between offensive coordinator and head coach and, and i was mentioning this to the eric turner the other day and i said you know it's very rare in the nfl that a young quarterback gets the same offensive coordinator for the first three years of his career typically rookie quarterbacks that are starting early are starting for bad football teams and those football teams tend to have a lot of coaching turnover and this team has you know really set itself up to be a team that was ready to mold a quarterback and you know frankly the bills weren't as much as we all are upset about you know patrick mahomes is patrick mahomes the same is this the same type of place year one than it was year two and i don't think so so like josh allen's in a place now where he he trusts his offensive coordinator his offensive coordinator clearly trusts him um and oh by the way they've surrounded him with you know, one of the best supporting casts in, in terms of three wide receivers in football, um, you know, outside of Atlanta, there isn't many other teams that are running three guys out there and, and that are all putting up stats. And listen, at the end of the day, I, I am astounded as anyone else who didn't think he was going to be a, a really good player or a franchise quarterback that he has come as far as he could or as, as, as far as he has. Um it, it's remarkable to me that we saw an incremental year two, one to year two step, right? Um, we're seeing like a, like a leap, um, like a, a significant, like this is the type of step that maybe we would hope to see by the end of the year. Uh, so the fact that it's right out of the gates um, has got to make you pretty excited about what's to come on the schedule. And, and for me, yeah, I mean, a lot of these people are probably going to sit around and wait for him to throw his first interception, and that'll be the, the first thing they post. And, and that is probably the reality that we'll all continue to live in here. And and listen, I, I think Bruce Nolan said it uh, said it best. I think he said, um, jo what, like, Josh Allen will walk on water, and his haters will say it's because he can't swim. And I think that is probably the best analogy that I've seen um, regarding sort of the vitriol around uh, – you know, Josh Allen. You know, I think a big piece of it, Ryan, too, was whether it be the football-related narrative that, that that people crafted based on what he did in college. There is still, I think, a a, a group of people that you know kind of also cling to a lot of that pre-draft um, hype that you know some of the tweets that, that came out back in the day and, and maybe just glossing the headlines and, and not really putting the time into figuring out, all right, who actually is this kid? And I think one of the benefits that we have as local media that are, you know, in the locker rooms or on the, the zoom calls or the press conferences and, and, and in, in, in it all the time is you not only get to see for your own self, what the guy is all about, but you get to see what his teammates think about him. And I think that's, 
something that's lost in the national narrative more than anything. And I think people gloss over it. They talk about his leadership ability, but it's not only just his leadership ability. It's the way these guys love him. I mean, we saw it the other night, John, John Feliciano bringing him on to his, uh, his Twitch game, just being one of the guys. I mean, these guys love that. I mean, I, I, you look around the league at some of the real superstar quarterbacks over the years, and I hate to single them out, but Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't strike me as a guy that you're just going to go and kick it with. You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, he's great in his own ways. He's a great player and he might have his own leader. I'm not going to comment on it because I'm not in Green Bay covering him, but I just think for what Josh Allen brings to the room, I don't think he's given enough credit, you know, from that perspective. And this is, don't forget, this is a team sport where you got to, you got to kind of operate here in in a group environment and and having that kind of personality is so huge. Oh, without a doubt. You know, you hold you heard Cole Beasley last year in his first year just rave about Josh Allen and say, you know, they, they would go anywhere with this guy. John Brown's raved about him. You're seeing the instant chemistry with Diggs and how much uh, he and Diggs are on the same page. Offensive line, the list goes on and on. Like you said, he's one of the guys and and he's this player that uh, they are willing to fight for that. They do believe in that. Hey, if he makes a mistake, he's going to come back out there and he's going to correct it. He's going to do something to to lead that team back. Uh, just like he did on Sunday, he didn't make any mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but he led that team back when they needed him most. Nate, what's been your? And, and we could talk more about this. Uh, we got you for another ten, maybe. Here we'll go till about eight forty. Um, what were your impressions so far these two first two weeks of John uh, of Stefan Diggs's impact in this? offense because now I remember talking way back when I mean when I saw that draft that 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 draft pick haul that the Minnesota Vikings got and everybody making such a big deal out of how much Brandon Bean gave up I kind of sat back and be like that's it the 22nd overall pick basically for a game-changing number one wide receiver I mean this is what I expected and I thought even now months later man I I, I wouldn't have blamed Brandon Bean if he threw in another pick yeah, I mean, through the first two games, what I'm actually convinced of is the Bills are beating the Houston Texans in that playoff game last year and maybe running away. Uh, that's what I'm convinced about. So, um, And I'm also convinced that this is an offense through two weeks that I am thoroughly excited to see um, in this particular matchup against a team that is going to be able to go pound for pound um, offensively with them. And for me, come on, like the idea of Diggs and, and Jalen Ramsey – and the history between Jalen Ramsey and like over the next few weeks, we're going to learn a lot about this offense. And I think the, the major thing that I'm excited about is there's clearly a connection between Diggs and Allen. And it, it's almost it, immediately that it, it came to fruition in week one, he goes eight for nine targets, um, 86 yards. And, and then the second game goes for eight for 150 and, 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 a, and a touchdown and was one of the most important aspects to that passing game. And, the thing that Brian Dable said this week, right, talking about how, you know, he's on the horn with Dable talking about, you know, well, we got to find ways to get here's where we can get opportunities to get to Beasley and get it to, you know, to John Brown. And like to have that two weeks in, I know that it's two weeks in. Right. And, and you know, things could there, there's going to be some turbulence. There's going to be some adversity that the team faces. There's no way they're going to walk through the season, um, you know, scoring 35 plus points a game. I'm, I, I believe that the couple of the defenses that they're going to face um, coming up are really going to be tests for them. But listen, the first two weeks is always something that you don't want to overreact to. Um, but it's definitely something we have to take with a grain of salt and say these are things we have not seen Josh Allen be able to do. And because of that, a, a big reason because of that is 
Stefan Diggs and how well and how good he's looked early, um, early on in the season. But I, I've always been, uh, I've always kind of thought during this or during the trade when it happened that it, this would be a big opportunity for John Brown. But you can make the argument that it's even maybe better for Cole Beasley. Um, Beasley's eating right now underneath, and he's facing exactly the types of matchups with slot corners and defensive and uh, and, and and linebackers um, that are going to make this team a very difficult cover. And and they did it against man. They did it against zone in week one against the Jets. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing you know this week against an Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, who are marquee top ten players in this league. Um, how this offense reacts, and more importantly, how Diggs raises his game in the in the rate the games of the guys around him. I'll open the final uh, portion here up to the both of you here, and then we'll get we'll get out of town. Um, how do you want to see you know this discussion play out? over the course of this season with Josh and this national narrative. And, you know, I think one of the pieces of advice I would give Bills fans at this point is I think you've reached a certain level with the Steven Ruiz's of the world and um, the Sam Monson's of the world and whoever else you want to throw in the pile of the, you know, Josh Allen haters. It is what it's going to be. And if you're looking for some type of affirmation or some type of and uh, them admitting that they were wrong. I think that you're going to have to maybe stop holding out hope for that and move on. And, and I think just focus more on the enjoyment. I think one of the cool things about what has been built here and what's happening for this fan base right now is something that hasn't happened in almost three decades. I mean, you have finally the makings of a real true contender. Enjoy it. And, and social media can be such a, you know, my wife will tell you sometimes I get like sucked into it and it, it really impacts your mood. And I would say, put that all aside, enjoy the moment. Uh, because right now you have yourselves quite a moment with quite a quarterback, a, 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 a ascending quarterback, ascending team. Enjoy it. Ryan, you want to go? Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I was, I didn't know if you want to take that. Yeah. And you know, it, like you said, those two Jeff Schwartz, I still see a lot of fans going after Schwartz every time Allen has a, a good game throwing out things to him and then he'll react to it and kind of try to the spin it in another way. Yeah. Like you said, it, it's so easy to react to those guys uh, feeding the trolls, so to speak. And it's kind of what they want at this point, sit back, enjoy it. And if Josh Allen continues to play that he's, he's playing right now, they're either going to have to come around on him on their own or they're going to sound really foolish when they continue to bash this guy. So, you know, don't don't feed them anymore because they seem to enjoy that. It seems to be what fuels them on social media. Watch Josh Allen, see if he continues on this rate, and then they're not going to have any choice but to, to change their tune on this guy. Yeah, I mean, at this point, guys, it's pretty obvious the, the people – that I mean, it's it's all the same guys, right? So at, at a certain point, you just gotta realize as a fan, and even as just a guy that's like, hey, you know, uh, I, I just don't. I for me, I don't I don't understand doing that for any player. Like I even like talking about teams that I grew up hating, the the Dolphins and Jets and the Patriots. I, I to this day, like I, I don't even hate Tom Brady as much as some of these guys hate Josh Allen, and I'm like, how can that be? How can you guys possibly have this big of a vendetta against a player that didn't ruin your entire childhood? And <laughs> I, my whole childhood was ruined by Tom Brady. And I'm like, hey, I respect the guy, you know, have fun in Tampa. And, and these guys are, you know, it's, it's a shtick. 
it's it's a shtick, guys. And you know, at the end of the day, social media is social media, and that kind of stuff is going to be part of the week to week. And you could either enjoy the games as they happen and and the wins, hopefully, as they pile on. Um, I'm going to do myself try to do better to after these wins to not just go and seek, um, you know opportunities to to drop you know receipts that i kept in bookmarks by the way i got a lot of receipts in the bookmarks um <laughs> on twitter um you know because you know at the end of the day like and i, I saw sale doing it and when sale does it i'm like you know i'm like sale sales got like the best receipts of all time he's got jimmy hoffa receipts man like sale <laughs> sale has been has been torching it this week um good for him and you know a good one is just of my twitter feed is trevor sycamore right of the draft network trevor comes out I mean, I thought had a, just I read this whole piece and it's a long piece. It's a free form thousand word piece, um, thousand plus. And I thought he did a tremendous job of just saying like it is right. Like, hey, I know you guys probably hate me, but here's what I really think. And I thought that is a thing that all of us respect. Right. Nobody's looking for you to say Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the league. Nobody's looking for that. I don't think I think we just want a fair shake of a kid that has kind of won everyone over. Right, because I think that's here's what I want. They just want us over, you know. Here's what I want. I want people to check in on the local media. We're all sitting here doing the job. We're doing we're doing the work for you. I mean, I know a lot of people really they don't understand when I tell them that when I started this job that that piece of me, that fan in me, really kind of just got put in the closet. You know, for the entire duration that I am a beat reporter covering this team, I still enjoy it. I still enjoy the atmosphere. And I, I almost live vicariously through Bill's Mafia because I was Bill's Mafia for most of my life. It's just a different relationship now. But what I am doing is I came to this beat with no pre preconceived notions. I didn't watch Josh Allen at Wyoming. I didn't have any narrative that I needed to follow. So what I've done is from the moment I got here is just cover him July 2018th with no narrative, with no expectation. I, I have no horse in the race. And what I have seen consistently, you could call me a fanboy all you want, but I'm telling you, it's development. And that's what I think gets lost more than anything is that this this dismissal of the potential of development. This is sports. That's what happens. Why do you think so many coaches talk about repetitions? It matters. Yeah, man. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is, right, that's the one variable that anytime you're going to make a preconceived or a pre-draft narrative about um, is you simply can't control the situation that they go in. All of us liked Josh Rosen. I know all of us did. I He was my – and the situation ruined Josh Rosen. Straight up, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, ruined Josh Rosen. So situation matters, guys. All right. He is Nate Geary. You can find him on WGR 550 almost every Saturday, except when he takes off to go golfing. And you can also find him on Sundays, pregame, postgame, always the fire takes. Like I think the best Nate Geary is after the losses because mm -hmm. it, it, it gets it gets steamy on the postgame show. It gets a little bit, uh, you know, you, you get in your feelings a little bit. I like that. I do. I get, I get in my Drake mode. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, my man. No, Have a great no, night. You too. Take care. All right, Ryan. Let's wrap this thing up. Final thoughts. Give me, give me your final. I want to start doing that at the end of the show. Is I want, I want you to really, you know, you know, dive deep. Give us your final thoughts, your takeaways, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, final thoughts. Uh, don't overreact either way to Sunday's game. The outcome, whether it's a win or a loss, 
Uh, some people are already writing off the first two games as being gimmies against the Jets and the Dolphin. There's no such thing as a gimme in the NFL. I, I know how unprepared the Jets have looked in the last two weeks. Every game's tough. Every you're, you're playing against professional talent. Uh, if the Bills go out and win this game, great. They're three and zero. They're in really good sh- uh, shape. But that doesn't, you know, one week at a time, I guess, is the best way to say it. And if they lose this one, let's wait it out. D- don't overreact. Don't underreact. Just enjoy the ride. A buck and a dime. We've gone a minute, uh, an hour and 10 minutes. This has been an awesome show with three outstanding guests. Uh, we covered a lot of ground and always stick around to the end because I do a little housekeeping at the end and I, I appreciate those that kind of stick through the whole show, uh, give you a little bit of uh, what to prepare for. Friday, Friday night, I think it's going to be around eight o'clock. My wife's going out of town. She's earned it sitting out here getting two master's degrees in like a year and a half. She's a full-time teacher. She takes care of my two kids, my four kids. I have two dogs, and she's taking a little weekend getaway. So I got the kids this weekend. Um, Friday's going to be an experience. We'll see what time I get into bed. But as soon as they get to bed, we are firing it up, and we are going to preview the heck out of Buffalo Bills versus Los Angeles Rams Sunday. I'm hope I'm still working on it. Uh, I'd hope to get Jordan Rodriguez on. We couldn't really make it work uh, for Friday, uh, but definitely go check her out tonight over on the Cover One Pod. We got some big news. We got some big news on Friday. You're going to want to tune in. Uh, big news about uh, the show and how far it's come in such a short amount of time. A uh, couple features for that. Um, shout a Buffalo football podcast. I know you guys are, you always hang with us on the live shows and we appreciate it. Please find us on all your audio platforms. Maybe you could only catch five minutes of the show, 10 minutes of the show, and you want to catch the rest of the show tomorrow on a jog or with your cereal or walking the dog, whatever, whatever. You find us on any audio platform, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Podbean. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps. You'll see on Friday why. We will see you on Friday night. My man, Ryan, thank you so much. It's a great show. Yeah, always. Take care, everyone.